Hello. This particular podcast is possibly going to trigger some individuals, so I'm going to put a little claimer out there. It's also a podcast that may be very sensitive to some individuals, and it may upset some individuals. So please be aware, please be alert, please be seeking advice and seeking guidance if that is the case. One of the things that I've been meaning to discuss for a long time, although I've been doing it in my counselling sessions and advice sessions, is the topic of domestic violence. This is quite a difficult topic, obviously, to talk about for a matter of reasons. Domestic violence can happen to anybody, any age, any gender, um, any nationality. And you might be thinking, why am I discussing such a volatile, delicate topic? Well, I've got first-hand experience, that's the first thing, of this particular situation. And I also know quite a number of people, personally, as friends, or as colleagues, people that I've met in my life, or through my role of counselling that have this particular experience, unfortunately, for a number of reasons. From my own personal experience, what I can say to you is you don't really realise what is happening to you. And even as I'm talking about this and even as I'm relating this, you can hear, you can hear my, my voice is resonating back to those horrible traumatic times and traumatic events because... It does leave an imprint on you, on your heart, on your soul, on your mind. Even though you step away from it, even though you walk away from it, it still has a trigger for a lot of people. For me personally, I didn't really see it coming. Um, I was with my particular person for 10 years. 10 years of physical abuse, mental abuse. And I think you don't realise what is happening to you when you think you're investing in that individual you don't realize the implications of what is happening to you in that particular scenario you know even though there are people trying to look out for you there's people trying to warn you there are people saying to you you know this is happening this is happening but because of the fact that you are under a spell so to speak you don't see any of that happening at all okay that's the first thing And before I even delve into the whole dynamics of this particular topic, don't be out there judging. If you know someone who's in a situation of domestic violence, don't be sat there thinking, well, why don't they leave? Why don't they do this? Why don't they, why don't they, why don't they, why don't they? Because you're not actually offering support or guidance. You're actually judging and you're actually casting stones at someone who's in desperate need for support and help. So please don't be judgmental. Please be supportive. Please show sympathy and empathy. My particular predicament, I was in a very, very vulnerable place in my life. I had very little self-esteem, very little self-confidence, very little ambition, drive. I was vulnerable. Nowadays, there's a term called grooming and the term grooming has been used for a number of positions 
But I would say that also with domestic violence, you are groomed in some form or manner because you are manipulated, you are objectified, you don't realize that your whole being is reduced to nothing. And part of this is the other person that's doing this. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a man, it can be a woman. It can be any gender that does this to the other individual. Now I appreciate I'm female, I'm speaking from a female point of view, but I have dealt with scenarios where it's both sides. And what I will say to you is, you know, my particular experience that I had, it started off quite innocent. I didn't even see what we call nowadays red flags, didn't see none of them. Um, I thought this was a loving, caring relationship. On, on some aspects it was, on many aspects it wasn't. And as the years went on, you know, the, the forms of abuse start mentally. They start with control. They start with being restricted about where you can go, what you can do, what you're wearing. Um, it can also get to physical, which unfortunately I had lots of experiences with, including you know, quite a number of assaults. And I'm quite a strong individual and it took everything in me not to put my fist back in this person's face, despite feeling completely enraged to do so. This partner of mine had made sure that over those years, the person I was, was basically a shell. Um, my mobile phone was taken from me many, many times. My money, my assets, basically any form of control I had was was taken away. My liberties, things that you t that you take for granted, were taken away. And even though my partner didn't even live with me, lived in a completely different property, I couldn't even leave my own house without that person's permission. You know, so there's this whole sense of control and anger and ego and power. And, you know, the physical assaults, everybody's scenario is going to be different, but the physical assaults started minimal. You know, you don't see it. For example, a dinner's not cooked right. A meal is not cooked right. You're not talking in a particular way that's correct. And it's all about abuse and a power. Like I said, it starts off mentally and eventually Unfortunately for me, as I know with many others, it became physical. And it gets to the point where you are reduced to being nothing. And I mean nothing. Your self-esteem prior to this whole situation starting is barely existent as it is. And unfortunately, as the domestic abuse continues, it reduces you to feeling like, why am I even here? You know, and your despair, your depression, your anxiety, your fear, your constant fear, almost like the hairs on the back of your neck um, are always alert because you're always waiting for the next punch. You're waiting for the next, you know, ammunition to start. And the other important thing I think people need to be aware of that this can happen to anyone from any career. I was in education in my classroom. I was in charge in my classroom. I was a strong character, 
I was a strong uh, individual. Um, my partner at the time worked with me in my same school. And you can imagine what that was like too, you know, on many, many aspects of control. It was harder to see that this individual, individual was manipulating others as well. So for a long period of time, nobody in my employment knew that what was happening to me. Because the other thing that you do when you are a victim of domestic abuse and violence is you hide it very, very, very well. Very well. Okay? And in your classroom or whichever peak of life, even though you've got high levels of anxiety, high levels of um, panic attacks, things like this, you masquerade it. You find ways to hide and manipulate certain things. And I'm not saying like wearing makeup or things like that, but you dress in a particular way, you cover up in a particular way, you you know, don't let on to anybody that you are struggling. And it's only when you start to open up to other people because they notice little trigger points, maybe subtle ones. If And the only people that tend to do it are people that have experienced it themselves. And like I said, it took me 10 years. And when my partner finally left me, um... I was in absolute pieces and several times throughout that relationship it had been breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together and this, the minute I even tried to be independent as in trying to do things for myself, trying to better myself, going for counselling sessions, trying to seek help and guidance, I was sucked back in and every time I tried to leave, I couldn't. It almost became like this toxic drug that I couldn't help being part of. I couldn't help feeling this need to be in this relationship. I appreciate looking back now as I've gone through counselling myself and I've gone through CBT myself and I've helped others that you don't necessarily see the trigger signs. You don't necessarily see the warning signs that this is a narcissistic sociopath that is controlling my life and is dictating who I talk to, who I am with, what I eat, where I go out, what I do, to the point where you're physically and mentally or even in some scenarios sexually assaulted, you know? And in some people's scenarios, there are children involved, there are children there. It is not easy moving yourself from that scenario. I recall doing jury service and whilst I was with my partner and whilst I was doing this jury service one of the cases we had to deal with was this lady who was a witness on the stand and she was asked to give testimony against her partner who had been released from jail and was currently facing another case of assault, grievous bodily harm and assault against her and the partner had broken into her house and came back and started a relationship with her again. You could see this woman shaking visibly. You could see her emotionally not being there, struggling to even stand, struggling to speak, 
struggling to be herself. And I recall looking at this woman and wanting to go over and give her a big hug, which might sound strange to someone from a domestic violence situation. You physically don't want anybody holding you, actually. You don't want anybody within your personal zone because you're scared of anybody hurting you. You're scared of being victimized and patronized and broken down. And one of the things that I will say is I could see the pain in this woman's eyes and I could see the pain in her life. And I was looking at her and thinking, what if that's me one day? What if that's me? And even though the penny was there in my mind, the penny had dropped and I was thinking to myself, I need to get out of this situation. The situation with my partner isn't how it should be. That's not love. As Tina Turner famously says, what's love got to do with it? But the thing is, when you're a victim of domestic violence and abuse, you don't see it. The person controls you, controls your self-esteem, controls your whole being to the point where you are extremely powerless and that is what they want. I remember looking at this woman as she as she found the courage to say, I'm sorry, I can't, I, I drop all charges. And you could, you could see that she was also in a similar pattern of behavior, that she was in that predicament where she couldn't get out. And that's why I'm saying that these people that judge saying, you should leave and you should do this and you should do that, they can't preach because they've not been in your shoes. It's not that easy. There's not just the mind control, there's the physical control, there's the emotional abuse. You are physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually drained. You can't exist anymore. And the body that you have is literally, and this is gonna sound awful, almost like a corpse that you are dragging around. You are there in the physical realm, but you're not actually there in the in the spiritual or mental realm. And that's something that I think people really struggle to comprehend that they don't understand. When you're in this predicament with your partner, you will have various experiences. Each person's you know, scenario is different. Another close friend of mine, very similar to me at the moment, very vocal, very beautiful, stunning, yeah? And the partner she had, you know, when she's driving a car and her partner's in the car with her, they got into an argument and he, he basically broke her jaw. Out of nowhere, punches came flying. And this is an individual who is such a beautiful soul. And for her to even stay in that relationship and to continue, 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 to the point where, you know, she's pregnant. The assaults continue. The barrage of assaults continue. The child is born. They have the child. And it continues and continues and continues. And like I said to you, families are not aware. People are not aware. Friends are not aware. Because when domestic violence scenarios happen, a lot of the times it is behind closed doors. And people might hear, potentially, somebody screaming, shouting, whatever, but some individuals just don't want to get involved. And again, 
they don't say to that individual, you know, do you need help? Do you need help? Do you need a way out? It's very, very heartbreaking when you see scenarios like that. The final thing that made that particular friend leave was having, you know, the door to her property in the bedroom with her young child smashed into pieces with an axe because this particular partner was going to kill her. And you can imagine the trauma of going through that scenario. And if that wasn't enough, this particular individual decided to get some petrol and pour the petrol over her and her child and set them alight. Just let that go over in your head a minute. Because, as I said, people don't see these scenarios for what they are. They will say to individuals like her, you should have got up, you should have left, you're stupid, you should have called the police, you should have you should have called your parents, you should have called your friend. It's not that simple. You are in this particular scenario, even though to a stranger it seems evident, walk out the door, get your things, leave. It's not that easy because there's a part of us that is so controlled, that is so needy, that is so worthless. That's how we see ourselves. We see ourselves as worthless and powerless. And also there's this tug of war between right and wrong. We know it's not right to stay in this relationship. We know it's not doing us any good to stay. We know that our children, for whatever reasons, need protecting. But unfortunately, we feel powerless. And we feel powerless because we feel voiceless. And we also feel like we don't have anyone to support us. A lot of the times there's many, many factors going against us. Financial matters, family matters. You know, there's no support network, there's no support system. In some scenarios, you know, there's been individuals that have fled the country, gone with their children, and they've had police chasing them, you know because the partner claims they've, they've abducted my child they've done this 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 and unfortunately sometimes i'm sorry to say the phrase the law is an s and it, i'm afraid it is in scenarios like that where believe it or not the individuals that i've described to you sometimes end up with full custody or with custodial custod well supportive custody of their child you know, even though there is a barrage of evidence that says that shouldn't be the case, but unfortunately it is. During COVID, understandably, there's been a huge number of cases of increased domestic violence and abuse. And even more so now in the more recent months when unfortunately with life being the way it is, there are job losses. There are people panicking. The anxiety of individuals is even higher. And unfortunately, the domestic violence seems to be at an all-time high. Somebody that I closely love and adore and treat as a sibling is currently going through this scenario. And it breaks my heart 
that I'm not in the same continent as this individual. Because many, 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 many times over the years, I can relate to everything that this individual is going through. And any advice I've given, any feedback that I've given, any support that I've given has always come from a place of love and has come from a place of empathy and sympathy, but also a place of, I hope and pray that I don't get a phone call one day that tells me that you're dead. And you might think that I'm being a heartless person as I say that, but I also know the reality of the world and what's going on. Because unfortunately, as I've said, both in my actual you know, being as a human being, I have experience of this particular scenario, but also, and unfortunately, in my counselling role, I've known far too many individuals to go missing, shall we say, or to come out, you know, from one particular aspect of a lack of help, a lack of support, to basically coming out like I have, empowered. It's not easy, by any means, to remove yourself from that scenario. It's not easy at all to get help from anybody and to seek advice and to seek guidance. Sometimes the very, very early steps are just raising your voice, raising that concern and acknowledging that the way you are being treated is, is not right. We unfortunately cloud ourselves with belief that this is love that this physical abuse, this sexual abuse, this gratification that the other individual is receiving from this narcissistic behaviour is love. And it's not. It really is not. The love you might have for your child, the love you might have for that partner, even though they are the one that's inflicting all this pain, you give them a million excuses, a million gazillion excuses for the way they are doing things, for their behaviour. But the reality is that the person that is lacking, if in anything, is you. It's you that unfortunately has been broken into so many million pieces that what you don't recognise is it starts with you. And at the core of it, the core foundation of this is that we don't have self-love for ourselves and you might think that's quite an easy and obtruse thing for me to say however if we did love ourselves if we did care for ourselves enough as a human being we would be saying don't do that to me and empowering ourselves and don't get me wrong there'll be many of us that try that really try to put those boundaries in and that self-love can also include you walking away, leaving, as difficult as this is. And by no means is this easy, because it's not. I've worked in the domestic abuse shelters, domestic violence shelters. I've worked with quite a lot of women and men that have unfortunately, you know, been in these particular scenarios. And it's always the similar thing where unfortunately they go back and they go back and they go back. And part of that is because it's the only thing they know. Fear sets in, anxiety sets in. How, how am I going to feed myself? How am I going to clothe myself? Where I need a home? 
Also, that individual does a very, very fantastic scenario of sweet talking you around to go back. And as I said, we don't see it. We don't see that this scenario is actually toxic. Now, even now, there are lots and lots of shelters out there. And in fact, during these times, you know, these unprecedented times with COVID, it's very hard to even get yourself in one of those shelters. It's hard to even get yourself in accommodation. And like I said, there are going to be restrictions for you getting out of these scenarios. The, que the queues just to even get into shelter or find help or find refuge is just bonkers. You know, and it does tell you that in society this is an upcoming issue and that people do need help, they need advice, they need support and they're not getting it. In some places, because of financial restraints and restrictions, even down to culture, some cultures don't even recognise that abuse is something that is happening, you know. And especially with some generations as well. Some generations of individuals don't recognise domestic abuse as being something that should not take place. So also culturally and generationally, there are barriers in front of us that need to be removed. And they're not gonna happen overnight. They're not. It is difficult as it is to try even if you do believe, to try and piece your life back together and to try and love yourself and say to yourself, you know, eventually that you forgive yourself for allowing this to continue for as long as it did. And you are allowed to forgive yourself for being in that relationship which you knew was toxic because at the time, you had basically like cataracts in your eyes and you didn't see what was in front of you. You didn't acknowledge what was in front of you because you didn't see it as being wrong. It becomes normal in that particular domestic violence situation to think that this, this situation is love and this is normal. It's not normal. And that's another aspect of our lives that needs to be removed. When you're unfortunately seeing people around you having their identity changed, their culture changed, the way they dress, the way they act, the way they behave, they've been turned into this very, very timid mouse, almost. And it's hard to see a loved one go through that when you know yourself, this is something that should not be taking place. What I will say is, one of the things that we need to do is try and spot, you know, some of the signs. Some of them I've discussed already, but there's far more, there's far more signs that are out there and they're done in such a covert way, you know? Pre previously, people would think that if you turned up with a black eye, that was, you know, your partner beating you. It can be more than that. It can be more than physical assault. This is mental abuse. This is emotional abuse. This is also spiritual abuse as well. And it's on many, many, many different levels. It's not just one aspect. If you see a co-worker, a friend, a colleague, look out for some of the signs that I've discussed because some of them are not as intrinsic as you think they're gonna be. 
like I said, I was working with my partner in my particular work for um, over two years. And even though we'd been together for 10 years, not one person noticed when I was coming in and I'd been physically assaulted or mentally abused or they just thought, oh, it's them two having an argument. They didn't see it. And that's what I mean with these individuals. They're very, very cunning, very cunning that they can masquerade around people's families and come up with a billion of excuses for the way that things are. And, you know, it's hard to then break that myth because that other person has ensured that the lies are thick and heavy and nobody dares question them. And again, that's because that person is a narcissistic control freak. They have their own issues of abuse that they haven't dealt with. But at the time, the person is you that needs help that needs that self-esteem, that needs that compassion and needs the love. And as I've said, it's not easy to leave these scenarios. When you start self-love and you start realizing that this relationship isn't right for you and you want to get out and you genuinely are wanting to get out, there is help out there. And you know, under this podcast, I will leave telephone numbers. for different places where you can hopefully get help and guidance but the main thing is for you as a human being whoever's listening to this if it's a friend if it's a loved one if it's a carer if it's someone you work with look out for the signs don't be judgmental don't be so in their face be a person that's empathetic be a person that asks key questions you know you might be saying, are you safe? Are you okay? Instead of, why haven't you left? Why aren't you doing... Come from a place of love and compassion. Come from a place where if you maybe you're offering some financial support or a room, genuinely mean it when you're saying, yes, you can come and stay at my house. Genuinely, genuinely mean it. Because some individuals, you know, say, yeah, yeah, of course you can stay. And then actually they don't mean it. And they don't realise the predicament the other person is in. That they are desperate for that little anchor of hope. A little anchor of relief. The little anchor of I can get out and I have support. Other things we can do is listen. Just listen. Don't judge. Don't put words in that person's mouth. Listen. Listen to what they're telling you. And when you're in... When you're in a place of helping them, please help them. Please listen to their thoughts, to their feelings, to their problems. Don't mask them over with your judgments, with your requisitions. If you're offering a stable, safe place for them to stay, mean it. Don't make them false promises. Don't make them false, give them false hopes. They need support, they need love, they need understanding, they need compassion. And they need a way out. And as I said, sometimes they stay in this scenario and predicament for years, like I did, 10 years. And even when he left me, I was desperate for him to come back. And it took me a long time to remove all that pain and all that trauma 
and the narcissistic controlling I'd become accustomed to. And it took me a lot, lot young, longer in years to finally mentally be in a position where I could really deal with the impact of that time that I had initially wasted on someone who clearly didn't care about me at all. It was all about something else. And the individuals who I'm speaking to who are listening to this podcast will be able to relate. Please realise you're not on your own. Please realise you are a lovely, lovely human being that loves, you know, yourself and is got a lot of potential. You have a lot of faith, a lot of love, a lot of humanity that you're able to give yourself, your children, your family. But you need to leave this relationship. You need to not be in it anymore. And the best relationship you need to start is the one with yourself. I'll make sure at the end of this podcast, I give some advice, I give some numbers. Please check them out in the disclaimer in the description because you're not on your own. You're not. I'm sending a lot of love and I'm sending a lot of peace and harmony and I'm sending big massive hugs to anybody going through this particular predicament. And I'm sure I'll probably do similar topic to this again. But please know that you're not on your own. That there is help, there is guidance, there is support. And if you are struggling, you can also ask, seek me for advice. If I can help you in any way, I will do my best to do so. God bless. Take care. Look out for yourself. Look out for others. And stay safe. Stay alive. Peace.